Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm the host, Zivi Owens. I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zivyverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Zivyverse, and we're going with it. Go to ZivyOwens.com to learn more, and follow me on Instagram at ZivyOwens. Sajit Meyer Schwartz is the author of Since She's Been Gone, a novel. Sajit is a writer, producer, and licensed psychotherapist. Her work has been featured in Medium, Slate, The Atlantic, Reddit, No Sleep, and Lifetime Television. She resides with her husband, daughter, and rescue dog in a Southern California beach town. And by the way, I met Sajit because she tweeted all about the helpful effects of my podcast, this very one, in helping her write this book. And we had a whole talk and then she wrote a whole essay about it. And it literally just made everything I do worth doing. And we have stayed in touch. We've met in person in LA and she is amazing. I am so excited for her. It's like amazing. Welcome, Sagit. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss since she's been gone. This is like a full circle moment. I can't even believe it. I know. It really, really is. Like, I remember sitting in this chair, listening to your podcast as I was writing the book. It's unbelievable to me. It's truly a dream come true. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm overwhelmed with emotion. Oh, 
So listeners, before we talk about Sagid's book, it must have been about a year, a year ago, maybe two years ago. Yeah. A couple years, I think. A couple years, two years. Or a year and a half. Yeah. You wrote the most beautiful Twitter essay thing (laughs) about how grateful you were for all the things you learned on the podcast and like that because of the podcast, you had written a book. And I remember sitting at the island in my kitchen, just like scrolling through and reading and like tears in my eyes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I read it to my husband. I'm like, look at this. Look what this woman said. And then you had your own book. And anyway, then we connected and it was just so amazing. And we've met in person and oh my gosh, it just, it makes it it's so wonderful. So thank you for everything. Thank you, Zibby. I know as I've listened to many, many of your interviews, I'm not the first and I will not be the last author to thank you for what you have done for authors, for readers, for the writing community. It is indescribable. Apart from every interview teaching me something and booing me as I was writing, because so many of the writers very, very successful one. New York Times bestsellers talked about their struggles in your interviews with them. And so it gave me the confidence and persistence to keep going. But apart from all of that, it's also you. It's your generosity and humanity and the way that you open yourself up in the interviews and sharing your own publishing journey in your memoir, which was not a straight line by any stretch. It really... It just uh, inspired me and helped keep me going. And, you know, it was like I had my cheerleading squad and it was the moms don't have time to read books, authors in Zibby. My, I, 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 in my Twitter thread, I was like my, my, my friend Zibby, because that's how I viewed you as I was writing the book. I'm like, my friend Zibby says I need to do this. My friend Zibby, <laughs> and I typed the end. I'm like, I am writing this out. And then we published the article on your website. And I'm I'm so grateful. And I I am telling you this book would not exist without your podcast. So I am indebted to you. And you're in my acknowledgement section because of that. This is literally making me cry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's emotional for me too. It really is. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness. So nice of you to say all that. So nice. Oh yeah. And and, and when, we, when I had the chance to meet you at your bookstore in Santa Monica and Kyle was there, I felt like I knew him too. Because <laughs> after the memoir and, and learning about how, you know, how you met and the relationship and all of the things that the two of you had been through together and, and then seeing how supportive he is of your career, it was just... It's just like, it's like family, you know? (laughs) I love that. I love it so much. Oh, gosh. You know, (laughs) what you do, what I do, what we all are out there doing, you know, we're, we're all at our desks, just like working so hard, trying to help, trying to make some sort of difference and just like over and over, just like doing what we do. And it's nice to have a minute where you know, you say the, a book wouldn't have been around without the show. I mean, that is everything to me. You know, it's just like True. the accumulation True. of all those moments. And for you, all the moments you sat at your desk writing the book, and now here it is. It's just so cool. Here it is. Oh, and and one other thing about you and in your podcast, 
you turned me on to several authors and books that I hadn't heard about before. And I read them and then reached out to the authors and we became friendly. And two of them blurbed my book, Marcy Dermansky, oh, Hurricane yeah. Girl, and Brendan Slocum, who wrote oh. The Violent Conspiracy and The Symphony of Secrets. They both blurred my book. And again, I wouldn't have known about their books or been exposed to them without your podcast. And then we, you know, became friendly apart from that. So it's just been, it's your impact has been vast on my life. And as I said, I have heard enough of these interviews to know that I'm not going to be the, that I'm not the first and I will not be the last to thank you for all that you do. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Let's talk yes. about your book <laughs> since she's been gone. The cover's amazing. This looks so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tell listeners about your book. What is it about? What inspired it? All of it. Since She's Been Gone is a dual timeline thriller about a psychologist who learns the mom she lost to a hit and run 26 years before might still be alive and keeping dangerous secrets. And it goes back and forth in time from when she was a 15-year-old girl in residential treatment for an eating disorder after she had lost her mom to the present when she gets this bombshell news and a supposed patient shows up to her office and tells her, your mother's still alive and in danger. I'm not giving anything away because this literally happens in the first two pages. And then the book sends her on a scary adrenaline pump journey to try and figure out what happened to her mom and piece this mystery together. So that that's the synopsis. In terms of inspiration, eating disorders are a mental health issue that have been largely left out of adult contemporary fiction. You do find them, you do find it more often in YA. And there's actually, I think you're going to be interviewing her, a new adult book that came out, which I have not read yet, that deals with this. I should have pulled it out before by Emma Noyes. I purchased it. Oh, guys, girl. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I want to read it. It's a new adult. But generally speaking, this topic is, I don't know why it affects 10% of the population. It is just not something that publishers have been interested in taking on, maybe because historically in the media and entertainment, it has not been portrayed well. Mm. It's been sensationalized or glamorized or, you know, viewed as aspirational because of the weight loss aspect of it. So it, it, it wasn't an easy sell, actually, because of that. But my editor was very dogged and really believed that this book needed to be out there. And she told me with great power comes great responsibility. And she said, I believe that the publishing world with adult contemporary fiction has done a good job with other mental health issues like addiction, you know, depression, anxiety. But this particular issue, it has not had its moment yet. So it'll be released in February, which is Eating Disorder Awareness Month. I'm a licensed clinician, and I have treated people with eating disorders in the past. When I was practicing, I'm writing full-time now. I know this book is important. I've already had ARC readers reach out to me who have been impacted, some parents 
who have children in recovery, some people in recovery themselves mm-hmm. who have thanked me for writing it because representation matters. Yes. And so it is fast-paced, bingy thriller that also has mental health rep. Amazing. Great pitch, by the way. That was wonderful. Oh. <laughs> You know, I I agree with you. It has not, you know, I have a great interest in eating disorders for many reasons, but so I'm always sort of like on the lookout myself. Yeah. I just read a really great book. It's a memoir by Hannah Pittard. Have you read it? It's called We Are Too Many. No, I haven't heard of it actually. It just, I mean, when did it come out? Recently-ish. She was at the Miami Book Fair. We did a live interview I can't remember. I don't know if we've released it yet, but if not, it will be. By the time this comes out, for sure, we will have released it. But you should you should read it. It's short, but she oh, really talks about you know her a lot of purging behaviors and how even as a grown up now, you know she finally is in a relationship where she can say to her spouse like, "All I want to do right now, by the way, is be mm-hmm. in the bathroom throwing up," and he'll say, "Okay, I'm just going to sit with you while we get through this." That level of honesty. Yep. So I read that pretty, you know, in the last month or so, and I hadn't read something similar. And of course, your book comes from a younger point of view in treatment to start, right? When, you know, my really good friend in high school was at a residential inpatient eating disorders place that I went and visited her at. So I've like no, and then I interned at a psychiatric hospital. So anyway, I'm, I, I have, I'm familiar with treatment and all of that. And I'm totally interested. Like I find that to be a very salient, exciting part of your book versus the alternative, you know, which is not wanting it represented. Like I, I, you know, anyway, that was a ramp. And I've also had several book influencers who have not been personally impacted reach out to me and say, everything that I thought about eating disorders from the media is totally wrong. Mm. I, I Everything I learned was totally wrong. I now have more empathy. I have more compassion. So it, it, there is a space for this. Also in my book, when she's a 15-year-old girl and she's in a treatment center and fighting for her life and, and recovery, I, I wanted to portray that, but it also comes bubbling back when she learns that her mom yep. might still be alive. And I wanted to show what it would be like as an adult to suddenly have those thoughts, those behaviors, as you said, the, the woman that mm-hmm. author that you spoke with and interviewed who still is an adult has some of those thoughts and has to fight against them and rally against them. And that is portrayed in my book as well. And I, I'm also proud that I have cutting edge science in my book because historically, a lot of times parents and especially mothers have been blamed for kids eating disorders. And now the field is changing a lot and they've located genetic mutations and that show if a person has a vulnerability to develop an eating disorder. And they are in the field, it's now considered a metabolic psychiatric disorder because people with eating disorders metabolize fats differently Hmm. than the rest of the population. And anytime a person with a vulnerability for an eating disorder experiences an energy deficit, it doesn't matter what the reason is. If you're being bullied in high school and you start restricting your food as a response to that, or if you're in your first trimester of pregnancy and are nauseous and can't eat and you experience an energy deficit, in both of those situations, you have a risk. 
Mm-hmm. So they're understanding it as, you know, the energy deficit is the driver for wow. it. It's not strictly emotional and psychological and psychiatric. There's a metabolic component to it. So the whole field is thinking mm-hmm. about things differently, understanding things differently. And I wanted to include some of that in there because I do think they are that overall eating disorders are deeply misunderstood. That's my opinion. Wait, the metabolic and the, is that for all types, just anorexia, all types of eating disorders? No, all, I mean, well, it's, it's all types, but especially anorexia in terms of the restricting, Mm -hmm. triggering it, the energy deficit, but there's also energy deficit that goes with purging too. And and there's a a subtype of anorexia that is restrictive purging. So there's, um, for example, I mean, I'm not speaking out of turn because she's been interviewed about it, but Glennon Doyle, I believe had, was diagnosed with that subtype. She's done multiple podcast episodes about it hmm. on, on her podcast. Yeah. And she, for many years thought she had bulimia and then got the correct diagnosis that it was no, actually anorexia with, with the, the purging subtype. So I'm wow. getting really into the clinical weeds. This is like, Sorry, is, no, I'm interested. The, it's my fault. I was asking. Yeah, I'm this curious. is the therapist, you know, the clinician, but I, I want readers to know that it is just that my book is a, a thrilling ride. And yeah, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Readers, readers, I've made it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. A lot of readers that have no interest in this subject, they just are like, I can't put it down. I need to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is, it's just one of the many threads. That's all. Yeah. I just happen to be interested. So I'm, yeah. pull, I'm pulling that thread, but you know, if you're not, you'll just, you know, read right past it and get into the, all, all the, the other thrilling mystery yeah. part. Thrilling yeah. mystery. Yes. And, you know, disappearance and family and, you know, secrets yeah. and lies and all the good things that, you know. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Found family. Yeah, that's that's a big theme. I mean, I, I dedicated the book to my mom who I lost young. And in a way for me, it was a reimagining of what would have happened if one day I found out she was really still alive all these years. Aww. So it's it's a deeply personal book. I included letters in it that she wrote me as a young girl. And 
when my, I, I wanted to include all of them, right? And my editor's like, I love these letters. She didn't even know they were for my mom. She's like, I love these letters, but we, you know, we got to kind of cut some of them down. So to keep the pace of the book going. And it was like Sophie's choice for me. I was like, it was like, I, I couldn't choose, but, but I, I did. And I also included her eulogy, about three quarters of it. So it's a deeply personal book in that way for me. Aww. And I, I've had a lot of readers reach out saying that they that they had never cried reading a thriller before and they cried really hard reading my book. I cried while writing it, but I didn't anticipate that readers would similarly have that experience. How can you t- talk more about that loss and what happened and how old you were and all of that? Yeah, my mom, she it's it's quite a thing. She died at 47. And I wrote this book when I was 47 years old and I sold it when I was 48 and like, I'm going to get choked up, but like, you know, it was like a year she never had that I get to live out, you know? And so I'm just, I'm really trying to live this year for both of us. I'm trying to, because she didn't get this time. And so it's like, I'm living for two people now for this this experience. I was so lucky to have her. I lost her young, but and and I have this in the book that like, and especially being a therapist, you you realize that having a parent that really loves and supports you and believes in you and, and tells you you can do anything you want, like it's really such a blessing and such a gift, and it is. Not something many people get to, you know, have have in their lives. So although I lost her young, I did have, I did get that from her. And I write in my book about Beatrice, I was born and I was loved. That was my privilege. So people might be, you know, talk about different kinds of privileges that they're born with. Being born with a one parent that loves you is a huge privilege and such a gift. And I got that from her. And it has stayed with me my entire life. And I, she made me believe that I could do this, that I could write this book, even though she's, you know, been gone for, gosh, I mean, she passed away in 1997. So it's been a long time. But yeah, so... (laughs) This this year is, uh, you know, it's it, this one is for both of us. My sophomore novel will be a different thing, <laughs> but this one is is uniquely special because I am on I'm on a timeline that she never got. So yeah, this is so moving. You're so wonderful for sharing this. For there's so many people who have had loss and are outliving their parents I, and the crazy way that makes people feel right. Like that they're, they're themselves on borrowed time in a way. Well, one of the interviews you did with Claire, who's one of now a Zibby author. Yes. Yes. Her like Claire Bidwell Smith is a good example yes. of that. That's yeah. true. But I know that's a particular brand of, of sadness and, you know, poignancy and, Oh my gosh. Do you feel that she kind of knows? How do you feel about that? Like, or do you feel like you don't believe any of that? I I do believe it, Zibby. I do believe in that. And I had moments when the book was going out on submission where I live a short drive from the water and I would drive to the ocean and I would like talk 
to the ocean and I would talk to her and I would feel her there. And I'd be like, mom, what, what's going to happen? Like, is this book going to go out in the world? Is it going to get out there? And I just, I, I would get these waves of reassurances. That's the only way I can I- explain it. So I really do feel that she does know. And she, I, I believe she's been cheering me on. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Still, after all these years, now that I've outlived her, I still feel that. Well, I mean, does love really ever go away, right? It's in the universe. It's out there. Like it can't be destroyed. It doesn't live necessarily with the person who feels the love, right? It's, it does, I don't know. It can't. And it's, it's in, and the pain and the grief are the price of love. I mean, you, you can't, have that without the other eventually. Yeah. If if someone were to ask me, well, okay, you could have had a different mom that didn't die at the age of 47. Would you have chosen that? I would say no every day of the week. Can I because ask how, can I ask how she died? It's none of my business. Oh, no, not at all. She died of cancer no. related to the BRCA mutation. Mm the BRCA mutation. I did not inherit that mutation. If a parent has it, the child has a 50-50 chance of getting it because it depends which, because mm-hmm. she had one healthy gene and one mutated one. And so I had to go through the whole genetic, all of that, the, the counseling to to get tested. So that was, that was how she passed. Yeah. When she passed, there was less awareness of it. So she mm-hmm. didn't know Right. I, I, you know, it, now people yeah. take measures to protect themselves. She didn't know it was too new then, you know, the, 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 the genetic counseling field and that specific recognition of that mutation would had literally just when she was like two years of being sick, just came out. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, so I feel that she knows, and I feel that when I'm at Zibby's bookshop, celebrating my launch because I'm doing my launch at Sibby's bookshop. She's going to be there along with everyone else cheering me on. And it's uh, really such a beautiful thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This podcast is the third time I've cried. Oh my gosh. Because also in my head, I'm imagining, you know, I'm 47 now too, like yeah. right now. Like if I were to drop dead tomorrow, knock wood, you know, and my kids came out with their books years from now, like I would, you know, would I, oh my gosh. Anyway. Right. Oh my God, right. you're killing me here. This is so, this is a lot. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, this is though, this is your humanity, Zibby, though. You wear your heart on your sleep. You're so empathic. And I think that's why you touch and reach so many lives. Oh. Truly. Thank you. You mentioned a sophomore novel. What is that? Tell me about that. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. All right. It's early days still. This is going to be a very different one. It's not a tearjerker. But it's about a woman who is down on her luck. A decade prior, she had graduated from the American Film Institute. Huge dreams of becoming a director. And then everything kind of has gone wrong for her ever since. At the time, she had when she graduated, she had a short that was up for an Oscar nomination. Since then, everything has gone downhill. And she is working a job that she does not like at 
a reality TV show of the likes of The Voice or American Idol. It's called The Underdog. But these particular contestants come from very, very unusual backgrounds. And she is charged with having to pick them up from wherever they are and bring them to the set. And the book opens up where she is charged with going to a psychiatric hospital to pick up a woman who, since she was institutionalized, has not spoken and only sings. So it's a Mm -hmm. bit of a nod to the silent patient. She's called the singing patient Mm -hmm. and there's TikToks of her and all of this. And she picks her up and they go to the airport and the woman goes to the bathroom and she never comes out. But before she goes in the bathroom, she tells her, I'm going to make you famous. And she goes in and she never comes out. And the whole book is the mystery of what happened to this woman. It's dual point of view. What happened to this woman? And then what's going to happen to our protagonist? And there is a whole storyline of very nefarious circumstances of why and how she had ended up in the hospital. She never should have. And how this was, you know, how she got out. This was her ticket out. Wow. So it's, it's, that sounds amazing. It's really fun. It's so different. It's so lighthearted, but it's also got the, the tense, like, you know, what's going to happen. And I, I like it because I don't know, it's a working title called the underdog. I like it because both of the women are underdogs in their own ways mm-hmm. and like overcome what their situation is. So I, I enjoy writing characters you can root for, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and people have told me that with my book, they really were rooting for my protagonist. So I I want to do that again, but in a, you know, more lighthearted way with still with all the thrills and twists and mystery that I have in this book. <laughs> um, well, you could also call it the singing patient. That's a good title too. I know. I was thinking that, I mean, yeah. she's dubbed that in the, the psych hospital because of the book, The Silent Patient. Yeah. But I don't know if that would be like two on the nose. I don't know. We'll yeah, see. maybe. Maybe you're right. Yeah. Well, if, if a publisher takes it, they'll have their own ideas. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. <laughs> As you know, with your yeah. publishing house. <laughs> well, it sounds amazing. Please send it to me. <laughs> oh, I, oh you will, you'll be the first. Okay. Oh, no, actually, contractually, I have to give it to my publisher first. Oh, they'll probably snatch yeah, it. Yeah, they have first right of refusal. Yeah. Excuse okay. me, publisher. <laughs> okay, we'll see what happens. Yeah. When is your launch? I wonder if this is coming out before or after we release this episode. February 6th. February 6th. Okay. Yeah. That's my I don't think I can be there, but I'll watch on oh, that's okay. You know, Zibi, you're as I you've been my cheerleader for a long time, even before I met you. So oh. you, you're you're always there. <laughs> thank you for this and for so many parts of this. Thank oh, thank you, Zibi, for all that you do. <laughs> I really enjoyed speaking with you today, and I'm I'm so excited for everything that's happened to you with your business. I just can't think of a more deserving person. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Congratulations. You too. And happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com